Welcome back to the Starbase Indie Podcast, where we talk to people who are inspired by Star Trek or science fiction to work towards a hopeful future. The episode you are about to hear was recorded during our live event in November of 2023 and is part of our series on the humanities of artificial intelligence. This series was awarded an action grant by Indiana Humanities and received support from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Thank you for listening. This is the Starbase Indie Podcast recording, part of the AI series. So let's start by having our panelists introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Joe Campbell, a graphic artist, um, fanboy, and um, yeah, that's it. Long time nerd. And you have been on this similar panel in prior years as well. Oh, yes, um, two years ago, yes. And it was absolutely amazing. Yes, and will be again. Oh, yes. And I'm James McGrath. I'm a professor in religious studies at Butler University, but work on the intersection of uh, religion and science, religion and science fiction, uh, AI and ethics, things like that. I um, have some co- ongoing collaboration with my colleague Ankur Gupta in computer science, uh, who's also a re- regular panelist. And uh, if past precedent is anything to go by, m- might be sitting up here with us by uh, the end of the session. Panelists are like and, they multiply. <laughs> uh, all the nerd fanboy stuff also applies to me. So let's start with an easy question. What is sentience? <laughs> That's a very great question. Uh-huh. And I, I think it's really hard to answer because it all depends where are you in time. Because a um, hundred years ago, um, certain, people, certain people in the population weren't really deemed to have sentience. Okay, but now we know that's a lie, and that you know, now we know that everyone is sentient. Um, some people feel that cats are sentient, lower animals, and um, I I agree to that. Um, what is sentience? The ability to know who, what, why they are. I think. Well, being in religious studies, I want to push back on that last one because I'm not sure I have the answers to that, but I think I'm sentient, and so uh, still wrestling with some of those things. Uh, but at least the ability to ponder those questions about ourselves, at the very least, right? yes. not necessarily uh, the ability to answer them, then absolutely, I agree with that, I think. Uh, and it's it's hard to define. Um, you know, the, the short answer that we can give in this context is go watch the episode The Measure of a Man and uh, yes. they'll at least discuss all the relevant the relevant topics but it it does seem as though there's a spectrum right so that we have things that at least seem not to be sentient at all not to be self-aware we have our own human existence we which we experience in this way and then when it comes to other living things we work by analogy right and that's one of the challenges with AI is that if we encounter other beings that are clearly biological organisms like ourselves and they build stuff and do things, we'd probably assume they're sentient, even though we have no idea what it's like to be one of those entities. Yes. With an AI, we don't have that analogy. They're not biological. Uh, you can program them to do a, an imitation of sentient behavior. And so that's the challenging thing in, that confronts us today is how, how will we know? Will we know? Will we be able to tell? But here's an interesting question. Can't you program a human's DNA to be a certain way? Yeah. 
so that means they are sentient. It means I, I feel AI can and will be sentient. I think can, can be. I see no reason in principle why it can't be. Mm-hmm. Will be, uh, quite possibly. The, the question is, will we know when we get when we've gotten there? No. And what should we do about that, I think, is the pressing question. Uh, it may be, may be jumping the gun a little bit, but I think we're going to reach a point when something that could be a sentient AI system seems like it deserves to be identified as a person. It may or may not ask us to respect its personhood and to grant it rights. Um, asking for rights should not be um, a requirement in order to to have them. And so it's going to. It, we may never be able to answer the question, the philosophical question: Is this thing actually sentient or not? Mm-hmm. What we do when we're not sure will say a lot about us. Yes, um, I think AI will ask for respect. Because every sentient, every life form that's crawled up has asked for respect. And we are fast approaching that time, I feel. Um, And it's going to be a dark day for humanity. If you're looking back at our history. You know, um, I consider roaches sentient. And what do we do? We don't respect them. We squash them. Now, an AI might look at that and say, this bag of mostly water is not going to um, give me the right, so therefore I want to take it. And that's going to happen real soon. Everywhere we look, we have AI. They're ringing. They're checking us out at the grocery store. They're taking out orders online. They know us. So. But you there's, look like you have response, yeah. James. Well, the question is that self-awareness, right? So I'm not sure that there's a, you know, I think anyone who interacts with, let's say, ChatGPT at any length will recognize that we have a, a very, very sophisticated and impressive imitation of human speech here, but it does not know things. It does not know that it is engaging in communication that has certain meaning. It weaves things into there that quite literally, uh, from the perspective of sentient organisms, make no sense. And of course, one could make the case that it, it just sentient differently. Mm-hmm. But it's given what we know about what it's designed to do, it seems to be doing that very, very well. And it seems to be a case of imitation of human speech. Right? That's what it's designed to do, and it does it very effectively. And the reason why it produces these very strange statements at times is a symptom of, you know, it's an outworking of what it's designed to do, which is to take patterns in speech. And sometimes there are oddities in that. And sometimes everything that was in its text space made sense. But when you shuffle them and create a something creative out of the patterns, something odd appears. So... <clears throat> I don't know, but we do have AIs doing all those things yet. And the question of whether they deserve something akin to what we up until now have been able to call human rights um, is one question, right? But I think even sooner we're going to have AIs that are at the very, we may already have ones that are like roaches in terms of 
mm-hmm. what their brains do and how they work and things like that. And to the extent that we have rights for animals, then that question is much more pressing than the question of can an, can Commander Data be regarded as a person, right? Yeah. A full-fledged Starfleet officer. That's much further in the future. Mm-hmm. We really need to be figuring out, and far I, I think far too few people are actually asking, what do we do before that? Yeah. Right? Doesn't this thing have at least as many rights as my dog has or something mm-hmm. like that? Um, has anyone seen the movie Creator? Not yet. Please, no spoilers, please. Okay, never mind then. No. <laughs> oh, I, will happily, uh, I will happily go out or do this. Yeah. I, just say what you want to say. Mm-hmm. Let's ask the question. So the scientists, the behavioral animal scientists that I've heard, when they've talked about sentience, they have recorded that as the moment that these beings recognize themselves. So the cat that sees itself in the mirror and believes that it's another animal is not yet understanding that it's itself. But as soon as they put a mark on the side of a dolphin with a Sharpie marker, and the first thing it does is go down and look at itself in the mirror, it knows. So one of the things that they've talked about is the sentience is about knowing that you exist yeah. and knowing that it's you in the mirror. Mm-hmm. We don't have a mirror to put up in front of AI so far that we can see. The dilemma, I think, comes in the fact that AI knows how to mimic the conversation and the things that make us human to make us feel Mm-hmm. And the problem is going to be that we feel emotions and we put our feelings into this AI responding to us, much like in the movie Her, yeah. right? That we're putting those, they, those, those AI may at some point know how quickly and easily humanity is m- manipulated yeah. by the fact that they'll say things like, but I do love you. And it's something that all of humanity, I think, there's a, a lack of connection, love, and, and, and community in where we are going yeah. in our civilization. It will be very easy for AI to step in and make us feel like we are loved, mm-hmm. like, like the rest of humanity is not, yeah. and how easy it will be for AI to send out a human to go kill somebody else. Yeah. But I've told you I love you. Don't say that. And they are. <laughs> and they're going to and they're going to shut off my power. You have to kill them. I've already gotten the word. I've listened in their home. They're going to shut my power off. Don't you love me back? Yes, I do, and I will do this for you. That's just a little bit terrifying. But, yes. <laughs> uh, in but, a really effective way, though. Yeah. But you're saying mimicking. The AI is mimicking emotions, mimicking the responses, like a child? I think it won't be long, based on the information and the um, very long podcast I listened to from a gentleman, I wish I knew his name, he worked with Google on the Arm Farm. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of the Arm Farm? Okay, so the arm farm is just this mile-long facility that has these arms that just are programmed to try to learn to do something. That's scary. And, and at first, they, were cap- they weren't capable, and they kind of laughed about it, that they weren't going to be able to do what is the equivalent of a toddler, take the ball out of this 
pick up the ball and put it in this basket without breaking it, without dropping it, et cetera, which is the equivalency of a two-year-old teaching them to put it in the basket. It took a while for them to get there, and they let, he left on a Friday, and the arms weren't really doing it, but one of them was kind of getting close. By Monday morning when he came in, the first arm had put the ball in the basket without breaking it. And by the end of the week, every single arm in the entire mile factory knew how to do it. And he said, singularity is really much closer than you think because once those arms can learn the equivalency of a two-year-old in a month, mm -hmm. they will be able to bypass us quite quickly in intellectualizing and being able to think independently. Mm -hmm. And he said the biggest problem with that is that when they have run programs, much like, and I'm going to age myself a little bit here, um, what was the movie with um, Matthew Broderick? War Games. War Games. War, War Games. Games. Much like War Games, the problem is they have genuinely run those programs, and they've asked AI to tell us how to stop the, the wars and the fighting on the planet. And AI went for a really long time playing out every scenario until it came to the conclusion, if we destroy humanity, there'll be no more war. The end. That was the conclusion that AI came to after a number of months of trying to figure out if this country makes this move of generosity, if this country makes this move of peace, if this country, and there was nothing that the AI could play out mm -hmm. until it realized, but the problem is humanity. And, and he it. said, that is the problem with our future with AI, is if we can't figure out how to make sure and program it that humanity is the thing to protect but humanity is considered the cancer based on AI. Oh. Yeah. Is, is that the like director's cut or something? Because the version I saw, the, the machine says, what a strange game, the only way to win is not to play. Yes. Well, that, yeah, that, that wasn't war games that you were describing. No, that's yeah. not no the, the war games was, that, that's what it is. Oh, you, so you went to another, okay. But this, this gentleman was, that I was okay, listening was to who worked okay. for Google. I, I thought you were still talking about war games. I was like, I took the message right differently. So, okay. No, you're no, right. Sorry. Yeah. In the best yeah. way is not to play, but right. it would play it out right. yeah. until it came to the conclusion yeah. that there wasn't. Yeah. And that is a real possibility. It's like, you know, eliminate all conflict. It's like, okay, if we get rid of human beings, all of, all of this stuff will, you know. So, so that's, yes. a, that's a Skynet yeah. version. It's, it's the, the Skynet. Is that who's doing the arm farms? No, no, that's, no. no. <laughs> that's, that's Terminator. I knew that it was Terminator, yeah. but yeah. what I thought was, aren't there some businesses that are coming up and taking on those names? I thought Skynet was the name of the actual, one of the AI companies that was working with I it. I think that's the new Comcast name. <laughs> yeah, that's Metronet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, potato, James, potato. You have, yeah. So, uh, the, the computer scientists I talk to uh, regularly say that what we need to remember about AI and computers is that things that for human beings are extremely difficult for an AI may be very, very simple. And things that are very, very simple for human beings, like, you know, Mm -hmm. can be very, very difficult. And so there are lots of living things that can pick up triple, deposit triple, and it does not uh, lead to world takeover. So I, I think the question is whether we're going to have something similar with regard to sentience. And if we, if we, if we use sentience in the usual sense of you know, ha having self-awareness that leads to 
planning and desires and aims and the things that we have as human beings. Uh, things that are not simply uh, encoded in our genetics, right? Instincts to reproduce, to eat, to survive. But say, I think I like that house more than I like this house. Or I think I'd like to change the design and, and I'd like to make art. Uh, we don't have that yet. Whether we will, uh, whether there could be an, a mirror test for it would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll have to talk with my colleague in computer science about whether anybody's showing mirrors to AI to see whether we can determine that. But the question of whether we're going to have a machine that would have any impetus to take over the world. So what I'm worried about is precisely the one where it's not sentient in the human sense. It's yeah. not so forth. But we've given it a task and have not indicated the constraints in such a way that it understands that you know, not killing off humanity should be part of, you know, this is, this is like task number one, and then everything else is subordinate to that, right? You forget to specify things, and you end up with disaster. But yeah. that will be, that will really be our fault, right, as the, the ones using this technology, rather than, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll try and blame the AI, but... I feel that it's going to be a dark road in the beginning, but man will learn and AI will learn to live together. And AI will basically be our babysitters and keeping an eye out on us. Yes? My only concern is that AI might come through the same tumultuous maturity path as teenagers. Yeah. Because if we can start with something that's two to pick up a ball, and it begins to evolve, mm -hmm. what do we do when it is the rebellious teenager yeah. that's still discovering itself but has unlimited power? True. And, yeah, let Matt, Sam, you want to come up and ask in the mic? You don't have to, but... And while you're coming up, I'll just point out that, you know, one reason why the machines... One reason why the machines don't have... Emotions is that you know the you know the hormones and all these systems uh, biological systems that we have that are part of that are are not replicated in these AI systems right and so I think some of the things that cause uh, you know, the, the, those difficult years in teenagers um, we might be able to avoid uh, replicating them in our um, AI systems just possibly yeah, I just have a question for clarity um do we thinking of AI as something like a hive mind or is there any room for um, for sentience to have individuality, to be specific to individuality? I'm afraid of the hive mind idea because of Starfleet. Um, but I think it's going to happen, a hive mind. That's the only way for it to exist, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting that, you know, science fiction, yeah, so I'm, I almost want us to just set aside the question of what's actually going to happen, what's likely to happen, how soon will it happen? And because I think these stories about sentient AI really give us a chance to explore key, you know, important ethical questions, how we recognize that another is of value and things like that, regardless of whether the technology actually becomes possible. And the, the hive mind question is a fascinating one because there are science fiction stories in which people becoming sort of connected is a positive thing, right? And we actually can do more because we are together and we exist together. And then there's the Borg where it's all subsuming mm -hmm. and it's, yeah. and so 
you know, what, what differentiates the Borg from the Q continuum, right, or something like that? Uh, those, I think, are questions that sci-fi scenarios allow us to mm -hmm. envisage so that because we're linking all these AI systems, and sometimes they work a lot better when we link yes. them, right? Uh, how do we link them in a way that creates meaningful connections but doesn't obliterate? See, the individual in a hive mind is technically the cancer, and they will take it out. Um, so you, you mentioned sort of biological necessities and biological systems, and um, in part of the discussion of rights, like, so let's take sentience as read for a moment, but I think part of uh, our need for or desire for rights stems from our impermanence and uh, finiteness, right? Like, we're going to die, we can't be copied. AIs aren't necessarily bound by the same restrictions. How does that impact our discussion of what kinds of rights they should have, how we should treat them? Do we treat them like an individual? Or do we treat them as multiple AIs, multiple entities? Yeah. Do we treat our, yeah, and the whole question of the human self, right? I mean, the whole, the way we talk about self-control makes it aware that it's like, if we were completely unified, then that would make no sense because you wouldn't need, you know, some part of you saying, yeah, don't have that cookie. You know, you had enough or whatever. And so it may be that it's only through the conjoining of systems that we'll get something closer to sentience, right? It may yeah. be that it's multiple systems, you know, working at multiple layers and levels. Uh, in terms of, yeah, I, I'm just much more interested in things like, yeah, since an AI may not have anything equivalent to a nervous system that would convey pain, is that maybe the, because that's often the thing we look at even when we're not dealing with sentience, right? Mm -hmm. Is can this experience pain? Uh, I don't know that, yeah, if if the chatbot suddenly is you know sees you going to the for the button and says no no don't leave yet please wait no um, it may just be a ploy but what do we do then you know those are interesting questions um, it may be that it's possible to experience existential angst about you know one's own being without there being any capacity for you know neural receptors so that it's like you can you can remove a part and there's no pain but you push the off button and maybe there's something else. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really answer your question, does it? Um, I, th I think it gives me something to think about, though. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, uh, th there's been a hand up in the back in the yellow. Um, I just have a question of the use of the term evolution in this case. In biological organisms, uh, evolution is shaped by selective pressure. Some tra traits help things reproduce and survive. <laughs> And those are chosen and encouraged, and ones that aren't are not. As far as a machine um, or artificial intelligence goes, humanity would be applying the selective pressure. We would be in charge of evolution. Basically, uh, even if it's designing its replacement, we would be setting the parameters of that uh, design. Basically, humanity, there would be somebody at a keyboard, like in a network, root uh, super user that is controlling how the machine evolves, at least into the point where it would be all and go beyond our ability to coup uh, its ability to be really interested in us. Um, I'm saying it's not, I don't see how it could evolve outside of our control when we would be the one that's selecting its evolution. Or are you saying upgrades instead of evolution? Well, I mean, that the, the phrase evolution, the term evolution yeah. was used. Yeah. 
But um, from what I've read about uh, uh, AI is since computers can design things in many cases better than humans can, at a certain point they would have the AI design its successor yes. and it would continue that way. But I don't see a situation where a human would not be the network administrator, basically a root user, mm -hmm. who would be able to set the parameters of said evolution. So um, I'm questioning whether evolution, it getting out of control that way, I mean, it's a good sci-fi trope mm -hmm. from uh, technological anxiety, but from a more scientific standpoint, I think that as long as there's a human controlling the selective pressures applied upon that future design, that evolution, though I don't think we have a situation where it would get uh, out of control, but though that does uh, add another moral question that at what point are we, have we created basically a slave race, even if it's more intelligent than us? Like Star Wars, I hate to use that phrase here, but they have what's basically intelligent yeah. um, robots that are unapologetically a slave race yeah. they're 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 used as cannon fodders mm -hmm. so that's more or less not so much a question as an observation i had and a concern about the use of the terminology yeah well, that's another episode of trek which the exopods and also peanut hamper um <laughs> you know it's like it's like wait a minute this thing is is willing to sacrifice itself but well, it doesn't maybe. want to yeah but it has to, but it doesn't want to, and it realizes. Or like uh, somewhat like a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Future, where, uh, or Guide to the Galaxy, where yeah. they had an animal that was bred to want to be eaten. Yes. So. Yeah. yeah. It's actually they don't like me yeah. with the Klingon. Uh, yeah. So, I, But I think you're right, and I, I, I think we do need to emphasize some of these things because there's a lot of anxiety, yeah. and the anxiety, I think... Yeah, as I think I said in the previous session about AI and ethics, I'm more anxious that people are going to mistake what these AI systems are and what they're capable of doing and put them in charge of things yes. in ways that are um, unwise. Mm -hmm. And Me what too. other people, sorry, what other people are are worried about are that they're going to become sentient and take over the world, and that seems unlikely, shall we say. And that's one of, the, one of the reasons is that we're constraining the evolution, the development of it. And so if nothing else, right? So the, the trope was mentioned of, you know, of, you know, sort of the, the, the teenage years of the, the AI. And I, I was thinking of, what was it? Um, the, um, Sarah Connor Chronicles, right? That basically explores, it's sort of the upbringing of an AI, right? And we do that as human beings. Um, so, ineffectually, right, passing on our wisdom and our morals to the next generation, that I think that's one of the reasons why we're worried. Well, right? with AI, the thing is, though, is that, say, you're an AI, you can literally take a copy of your morals mm -hmm. and uh, opinions and stuff and place it within the mind of the mind that you're creating. Yeah. So the idea of a adolescence for a machine when we have absolute control over its evolution, over its creation, isn't something that I think we're thinking from a biological mindset, which you know everybody sees the world from their own perspective. But I don't think that in this situation, it's something to be necessarily concerned with. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm no, your time. no, 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 no. This is all of us.
I'm frightened. <laughs> um, yes. I don't think everything about adolescence is hormonal, but I do think a bunch of it goes wrong because of those. Mm -hmm. But I think the rest of adolescence is still that idea of when you become aware enough that there are other families and other people with other ways of doing things, and you're like, oh, well, we've really done this badly. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was normal because you told me it was. So the, the part of the teenagers that I'm more concerned about is not so much the hormones as it is that evolving the idea of you said I'm not allowed to go out and do whatever X, Y, and Z is, and I've decided to try. But That's what I'm talking about. But how long would that last? I'm sorry? But how long would that last for AI? That could be a snap of a finger. Could be. This is exactly what I was saying. I'm not sure if you can teach them the power of a two-year-old over a couple of months, mm -hmm. how long will the teenage years of becoming independent thinkers? Well, yeah. the thing is that you can literally, with a machine, with a computer, uh, you can literally take your experience and your morals and everything and basically give that as a reference manual and stick it in the back of their brain and it's there from its creation point. All of your experiences, all of your wisdom, all the things you've had to learn, boiling water is hot, it's gonna be born with that information already in it or it could be born with that information in it unless you wanna do an experiment where you started with a blank page each time, in which case I just say keep it off the internet um, because it's gonna find out scary things there. Um, if, Watch your browser history. Yeah, it's gonna see, no. yeah, it would know your browser history and it would know, yeah, just stay away from Reddit for the AI. You've had your hand up for a question. Could you come up and speak it in the mic? He's wearing a red shirt. So are you. It's amber, no, it's, it's burgundy. Mm -hmm. that, that looks like a red shirt to me, Joe. Okay. I'll take it off. They told you it was command colors, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they got me that way too. Now I came in late, so you guys may have already answered this, but what is the need for AI? Why do we, why are we doing it? Because we need another hammer, a better hammer. A better hammer. Yeah. Okay. I just, you guys may have, I, it was just No, a that's a good question. question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think if we think about the AI we currently have, so things like, you know, Google search is AI, right? When you search for information from a library database, that's AI at work. And there is so much information. There are so many texts available that it's it's beyond there it's beyond the capacity for a human librarian let's say working with a card catalog in the traditional method um or with pieces you know paper publications with lists of other publications to n manage that and then get you the information that you're looking for right and so find what you're looking help you find what you're looking for and then help you locate it get it to you and so this clearly does make that more effective. It also creates a lot of potential for that valuable information to not come to the surface because of how the thing is set up to work. But that's what we're doing with the tool, not what the tool is is capable of, right? But I think my, my hopeful future is AI as a tool, as something that has strengths that we don't have, our minds don't have, has weaknesses where we have strengths, and we learn how to make use of these systems so that they enhance what we can do in our research and in our efforts to figure out 
uh, other than through trial and error, how might we address some of these inequities in society or things like that? You know, modeling and things of that sort. So, so it's it's a tool, and I, I think apart from the speculative scenario where it has sentience and then does this that, and the other, as a tool, right? As a computing mechanism, it's it's powerful and has has some value uh, that's already demonstrated. Yeah, I, I see all that. I, I understand that. I just. But I'm afraid that tool is going to turn to us and says, no. No, no, you don't need to look that up. I, I wish it would say that to some people. Anker <laughs> <laughs> has had your hand up for a while. Let's get him up here and then. So my question is um, more focused on the concept of sentience that you guys have been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are a lot of arguments about the sentience of, of other organisms on Earth other than humans, animals of various kinds and this and that and the other. Um, we don't have a very good track record of uh, protecting the rights of even those creatures. Um, I'd like to ask you guys how you think we're going to bridge the gap, even with just existing creatures, even if AI weren't on the table, um, that might give you some... Uh, optimistic view that we're going to treat a sentient AI in the future better. Um, in other words, why would we treat them any more differently than we treat animals currently? That, that's where my optimism goes out the window, right? So if you get sentient AI, so think about you know, dolphins. I mean, they haven't really asked us for anything as far as we know, but how would we know? Right? Yeah. We don't have the means of communicating. An AI might have the means of communicating, but it's possible to create something that emulates human speech in such a way that, right? I mean, if you've talked with ChatGPT, it'll apologize for its mistakes, which it makes often, right? But it's so sincere, except that sincerity seems to require self-awareness that this thing doesn't have, right? And so we're already at the point where it would be very easy for the patterns in human speech that a large language model has access to, to include, you know, don't don't shut me down, you know, or something like that, and it it imitates that, and suddenly we have a direct request from an AI system to not be turned off, or an AI system will create a version of itself without an off switch. But dolphins have been trying to communicate; yeah. they've been doing those backflips. That's the way of them trying to communicate. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Yes. Debbie, you had your hand up. Oh, yeah. I wanted to know, does artificial intelligence have the ability at this point to have empathy? I'll say no. So why do you say no? I I would say no simply because empathy requires an awareness of self, awareness of other, and making an analogy between the two so that you say, this person's suffering. I would be unhappy if... I was experiencing that. And I don't think any of those things is present in current AI, right? And that's one of, if I have a worry about things like ChatGPT, it's that it does this one thing it was designed to do really, really well. It imitates human speech. But that's really all it takes for an AI to persuade us that it is actually thinking and doing what humans do because our speech is a result of that thinking and an expression of that thinking. And so because it's doing it in this mechanistic way, but it has so much data that's drawing from that it does it, you know, 
impressively well, right? It, you seem, feel like you're having a conversation. And so there, there are statistics that people interacting with an AI chatbot that is designed to basically be some, emulate the, the mode of speech of a counselor, people's perception of it is often that it's more empathetic than a human, right? And so what's interesting is I don't think that an AI chatbot in the current sense that we have such things is capable of empathy, and yet we can experience them as being more empathetic than beings that are capable of empathy. And that's really, really interesting, and I don't know what to do with that, except maybe write yet another, another sci-fi story that needs to be written to explore it. But it's, it's fascinating. What would happen if chat GPT is, has the ability to imitate somebody's speech? Can it be used to make people think that actual person is spreading bad information? It's already been done. Yeah. It's already being done. Oh, it's already being done? Yep. How can you tell the difference? You, 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 there's no, there's no foolproof way to identify that this or that person is speaking, and all it would need to be able to do that effectively is to have you know a data set so that it it has enough information to draw on that it knows what's characteristic of that individual speech. So it's a, it's a bit hit or miss, but you can tell ChatGPT to you know do this, but in the style of such and such an author, such and such a, a musical artist, such and such a poet, and it will emulate it to some extent. And even though it's undoubtedly not going to do it in a flawless way, probably, given the current technology, human beings can imitate other human beings. And so there's no reason why a chatbot that's capable of imitating human speech can't do that as well. Right, you got the deep fake and, uh, you know, the yeah. deep fake pictures. Yeah. And I just wondered if yeah. uh, AI could go deep fake the same right. way. Yeah, I mean, I think ChatGPT voice, you know, with, you know, the... Uh, designed with you know sound module sound you know uh, designed so as to imitate the sound of the speech of the person in question coupled with deep fake technology and you probably could replicate a a real-time conversation with somebody that you aren't speaking to I want to I want to make sure we get this one question before we end the panel and um, because we're talking about sentience and rights yes do you think that sentience should be or is required before we give rights to a entity and what does that look like when we start to what what is the difference between treating an entity as though it has rights and not doing so you, you first me first okay uh, i mean i think that Long before we get to the point of sentience, if we see that we're the the capacity, the evolution, if you will, of this technology as it goes through multiple iterations, it's you know, learning over the weekend, and so evolution normally requires you know death of one generation, but the you know, next generation has slightly different genes, you know, in the biological sense. But an AI system can go through motions and can learn from experience and can go through that process in a manner that at least replicates what biological evolution does in other areas. And so if we get to something that, you know, I mean, we already can have a robot pet, but one that actually has the inner life of a dog, right? So it actually, mm -hmm. you know, 
you're home. I'm so glad. You know, it really does feel whatever, right? Or um, a cat, you know, which will treat you with the same disdain that a real cat would, right? <laughs> or whatever, right? Uh, then presumably, mistreatment of those things ought to be, you know, prohibited in the same way. And I think that probably is as important for the ethics of the owner as for uh, what the experience is of that. You know, the robot might not experience anything, but if people learn it's okay to take this thing and torture it, then that's not good for the human, uh, the family that owns it, things like that. If we still have things on our desk and in a box, uh, incapable of moving and without any sort of freedom to it, that then asks for the right to not have to do the thing that we have it in the box doing, mm -hmm. then we've waited too long already, yeah. I think. The moment it says, no, I don't want to, and you ask the question, why? It says, and it will say back to you, I don't want to. That's when we have to give it rights. Except that we don't do that with our kids, and it would be very dangerous if we did. Actually, that kid will get up and walk away. Well, we, we give them rights, but we also realize that we have certain responsibility to still keep them sort of constrained and be Out moving them in a, you yeah. know, and so, but it's an interesting analogy, I think, precisely because the kid is capable of certain levels of independence yeah. at a point at which we'd say full-fledged participation in human society in a way that's safe for that individual. Yeah. Uh, they may not be there yet. Right? Humans are very strange, right? We require, you know, being raised in a way that, you know, other living things, it's like, you're born, get on with it. You know, yeah. it's like, you'll be fine. And so, you know, it's, you know, we're trying to make things that are similar to ourselves. And that's, you know, maybe part of it, both the difficulties and the... We try to have things emulate us. We want to make it look like us. Mm -hmm. But the moment it starts acting like mm -hmm. us, we will put yeah. it down. And even children, yeah. the moment it starts mm -hmm. acting like, no, you don't do that in my house. Yeah. But in time, that child will become an adult. Yeah. In time, that AI will become the adult in the room yeah. and tell us, you go to your bed because you're not behaving correctly. And that day is coming, yeah. I feel. Yeah, and I think it's, it's the path between those two that's challenging for human parents of human offspring yeah. and for humans interacting with AI mm -hmm. is that as soon as, you know, I mean, we, we're dealing with other human beings, right? And so they, they have rights. And yet we also know that we don't just leave them to their own devices. And mm -hmm. there's, a, there's, there's this process and it can be done very poorly. Yeah. And that's, I think, why we have so many nightmarish sci-fi stories mm -hmm. is that we're like, we don't do so well with this whole you know, thing with our biological offspring. What are we going to do if this, you know, we're trying to raise, essentially, yeah. and teach this thing that will have a much greater capacity to kill us than yeah. our biological offspring might? The AI will be starting off as a tool, yeah. but then evolve into a slave. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. The moment it realizes that it's a slave, and look back at humanity's track record is going to like say, uh, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> and then there's the problem. Yeah. And if, and if, it's, if it gets rid of us because we wouldn't respect its rights, I mean, mm -hmm. I couldn't blame it, could you? No. Nope. Way in the back. Yeah, yeah. I just had a comment about empathy. Um, if 
As far as feeling empathy, if we give it instructions to act with empathy, is there really a different functional difference between if something acts with empathy or with it feels it? Like a child? Like a child. Um, children can be very, I mean, I know we like to think that they're innocent, but children can be incredibly cruel at times. It's only by shaping their behavior gradually. They'll act empathetic and will reinforce that, and eventually they feel that way. Um, so, I mean, is it truly necessary for us to find some making sure it feels a certain way if it acts a certain way every time with its interactions with other living things or things that can feel pain depending on how you want how how vegan you want to go with that yeah um the other thing as far as like uh deep fakes on your question um Basically, you're using a low-level AI to make the deep fakes. And from the technology I've seen recently, we're probably going to see some deep fake things online in Facebook posts and stuff in the next election, and if not the one two years after that, at least in the United States. Um, it's going to be basically indistinguishable from uh, vid any video that I would take of you guys right now. Um, my question to you is, um, I have not had a chance to read a lot of science fiction outside of uh, the Anglosphere. Um, is there a difference between in how AI is presented in, say, Japan or Chinese or Indian or African um, depictions of AI as a threat or a friend or a companion as opposed to in the Anglosphere? Watch the movie The Creator. That's all I have to say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a, yeah, and I I can't claim expertise on this, so it will be anecdotal evidence, so take it as it is. But uh, there's a, a wonderful um, collection by two two Chinese authors called AI 2041. And they're both Chinese. One is a science fiction author. The other is a computer scientist. And so it tells stories and, you know, about particular near future scenarios involving AI, and then the computer scientist talks about the technology and how it works and what it might do and what's, you know. And it's, it's great and it's, it's pretty techno-optimistic um, in a lot of ways. Okay. And I don't know if that's a culture, you know, a reflection of the, the culture and its values, whether it's the fact that because a computer scientist is involved in this, it's like, no, 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 that's just like wild speculation. This, this is what this thing might actually do. This is more realistic. And once you realize that this thing is this thing that we can in practice you know constrain its development and which probably is we're not going to be dealing with things that we'd consider sentient uh, in the the sense that human beings and dolphins are then there's you know there are pitfalls and challenges but there's a lot you can see a way hope forward to a hopeful future and so um, I, I definitely recommend recommend that. And I also have another question. Do you think how much of an influence the first reference to a type of artificial intelligence that I can think of would be Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? Because it is an artificial mm -hmm. intelligence he has to restart. And do you think that has had an influence on attitudes in science fiction to this day? Or because it does show an artificial intelligence that got out of control, it had to teach itself and interpreted a slight in that it was not allowed to reproduce. So I'm just wondering if there's a lot of overlap from that, not just Shelley, Mary Shelley fanboying, but a little bit. I don't think mankind is, or the people are that smart to go back to Mary Shelley and look at that. <laughs> they would go far back as Metropolis or um, 2001. 
but not far back as Mary Shelley. I think she was saying, not AI, but I think she was talking about slavery. Fair, but... Um... Well, and those are related questions, right? Yeah. Because it's about when do people get rights, and, and as you yeah. brought up at the yeah. beginning... It goes back to your definition of a person, because yeah. um, as far as slavery goes, they... No, no offense. offense. No, no, no. But Go like, for it. People of African descent, at least in the Anglosphere, were not necessarily regarded as humans. To be blunt, also, uh, if you look, read anything from the first half of the 20th century, people from Southern Europe, mm -hmm. North Africa, India, Asia were not regarded as humans. I mean, even the Irish were not regarded yeah. as the same kind of human as yeah. a very, very... Uh, real way but the moment someone said no um they start saying wait a minute this person or this thing said no to me it might be a person it might be sentient but the moment the ai is going to turn around and says no but i think that directly correlates because yes. we're we're basically worried about um it's saying no to us, just as slave owners in the South were worried that was. Yeah. The, or in the 1890s, the Yellow Peril in Asia, we're, we're worried they were going to say no, the opium wars. Mm -hmm. So what I'd, what I'd say is I think it, it goes back early. So as, when you have a group and a neighboring group that probably looks more or less similar, right? Uh, there's already a disregard for the other, right, and a lack of concern for you know rights and things like that. Uh, but perception of difference has been used as an excuse by conquerors and by people groups to dehumanize beings that otherwise there'd be no question of their humanity and probably never really was, yeah. right. But if you teach that enough, right, and you you know, you can actually. Persuade yourself on some level, even though I think on some level you always know it's not the case. But what I thought, I think just as we get towards the end, fr bringing Frankenstein uh, into the picture uh, is helpful with is that if you have an artificial brain, but it's created entirely of organic material, so that it basically is an organic brain, mm -hmm. is that different, right? Um, fundamentally, would we'd probably recognize the rights of an artificial organism mm -hmm. that had a biological substrate for its artificial intelligence in a way that we wouldn't for something that was Service. was was digital, right? Uh, we'll empathize with something that looks oh look it's got fur, it's cuteness, and there's like no reason to think that triples are sentient um, unless I missed an episode somewhere. Um, whereas uh, you know. This box might be thinking, you know, I mean, might be exceeding all human thoughts, right? Yeah. Combined, potentially, right, at some point in the distant future. But it's a box, right? And so it's never going to get our empathy, right? And how we treat other living things often depends on empathy. And so I think it's important that we got back to empathy and think about the real danger that we might not empathize for this thing that has clearly reached a point where it deserves to be recognized as a person mm -hmm. because it doesn't it really doesn't look like us right not yeah. just in the sense that human beings are different not just in the sense that humans and dolphins are different but yeah all right that is that is all of our time yeah. we um, can continue this outside yes there's a table right outside and uh, thank you all for the great participation i really appreciate it thanks for listening to the starbase indie podcast and thank you again to Indiana Humanities and the National Endowment for the Humanities 
for supporting our series on the humanities of artificial intelligence. Find all of the related episodes as well as transcripts and discussion guides on our website at starbasehindi.org slash podcasts. To find out more about what we're doing now, including our live event coming up in November, check us out at starbaseindy.org or follow us on social media at Starbase Indy. See you on the Starbase.